Father, thank you that as we've been learning in this entire series that all of these things that we are learning are based upon your faithfulness, not our achievements. That you are the way maker in all of these things. Lord, I pray that you would cement that in our hearts, that we would continue to give you the glory that is due for what you have already done on our behalf. Father, thank you for loving us. I pray that you would continue to encourage our hearts today from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We are continuing on in our series about what you think matters today, okay? And we're going to look at that. If you uh, have not found it yet, the, the, ver- the uh, thing that we use quite a bit on Sunday mornings here is called Version. It's an app that you could download to your smartphone or to your iPad or different things like that. And if you go on Version and look under the Events tab, you will see Liberty Grace. And that will list the verses and the passages that we're going to look at today even. And that is up all week long. So that not only can you save yourself from trying to flip around all morning here, but you probably only use your phone throughout the week anyway, right? So those verses are going to be there on that live event all week for you to revisit. And I bring that up because I really want to use this morning to talk about something that that sometimes we take for granted as a Christian community and how we communicate it. And so I want to cement it in your mind with a couple of different passages to give you to go back to so that you're learning where do we see these things that we talk about. So what you think matters about eternal security, right? It's something that we talk about as, as pastors and maybe we take for granted that you understand that what Jesus did on the cross is done. It's the finished work of Christ. When He rose and you said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life, your eternal destiny was secured in that moment. Nothing can take it away from you. If you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then your destiny is eternally secure. And so when we talk about hope and we continually revisit that Word and we look at Romans 5 and talk about suffering and suffering creating perseverance and character and then our hope does not disappoint us, that hope is eternal security. We want to keep pointing you there because this world has lots of ups and downs. This creation, as we're going to read in Romans chapter 8 this morning, is subject to sin. As we learned in the very beginning of the series, what you think about sin matters. And it has frustrated all of creation, including us. And we look for something more, and our hope is in something bigger and better, and it's been secured for you through Jesus. And so I want to take a moment today and just introduce a couple of passages that I hope will help you as you are in your, the midst of some of the ups and downs of this world that you realize my hope is not here. My hope is there. Because the Bible continues to remind us that, that our citizenship is not of this world. That our citizenship is not here in the United States. What happens here matters 
for a short period of time, relatively speaking. But eternity is already secured. And what God promised, He will be faithful to deliver. So as we look at it, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. And that's where we're going to start this morning. And I want to read this passage that Paul uses here in Romans 8 to put it into perspective biblically, because I don't want you to just hear what I say. I want you to understand that all of my thoughts are really not original to me. (laughs) That my thoughts come out of the Word of God. That, That I read this and try to say, how can I tell you more about what the Bible says? That's my only goal. And so as I read Romans 8... You'll hear exactly what I was just talking about. And I, I went again to the New Living Translation to make it uh, easier for you to, to be read and to, to be used this morning just for this passage. But Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that He will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are against its will All creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we now know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies that He has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. And if we already have something... We don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. We hope for something that we don't yet possess. Did you read that last line? To understand that once you have it, you're no longer hoping for it. And so eternity is set in the hearts of men, the Scripture says, when you become a believer. Your heart changes. You groan for things that you never thought about before. You think about this world differently. That's the goal. Because you were not created to be in a world frustrated by sin and suffering. All of sin permeated all of creation. And as it did, it frustrates it. And it frustrates us. We don't want to do the things that we do sometimes. We don't want to react to the the things that happen to us the way that we do sometimes. But that is the evidence of sin in our life and the evidence also that we want something more. That we understand what God has done and that He is leading us to a place where He's going to deliver us into new bodies, a new heaven and a new earth, and we'll talk about that specifically at some point in the future, that we will then not have to worry about sin and death, decay, all the suffering around us. But as for right now, inside of these bodies, we have to face it. 
And as we groan, we need something to hold on to, and that something is hope. And that hope comes in the assurance that we know that God is faithful. That we know His promises are true. That just as we looked last week and saw some of the things that He did throughout Jeremiah and He relieved the captivity of those folks, although it took 70 years, He was faithful to exactly what the Word said. He did what He says He's going to do. Sometimes we concern ourselves with losing this life more than being thankful for eternal life. It outweighs it sometimes, doesn't it? We concern ourselves with with this life so much in the preoccupation of filling it with so much stuff that we forget the best hasn't even arrived yet. We're filling our stomachs on all the things here and there's a banquet waiting. Western Pennsylvanians know what I'm talking about. They put the cookies out first. Right? And they're good. And I love them. And I eat platefuls of them. But I tell you what, they don't last long, right? (laughs) The meal is what really gets you through. If I tried to just live on wedding cookies, it wouldn't do me any good. (laughs) Because the banquet's waiting. It's prepared. It's coming. And that's our hope. That we see past what is present to what God already has done out there in our future. The opportunity to to again view this world in its proper perspective. The phrase again, right? The tragedy of life is not what people suffer, but it's what they miss. It's not what people suffer. The tragedy of life is really what they miss, that that they spend so much time preoccupied by pain and toil that they miss what God has actually done for them. You can easily get torn down into that and spiral into that. So, as you face some of these things, I keep talking about pointing to eternal security and pointing to this, and so I wanted to make sure that you guys had a couple of passages that that specifically help you wait confidently patient or patiently confident. However you want to put those two words together, but that's what the Scriptures say. We're supposed to be confident in what He's already done. And for me, that makes me more patient. If I know it's coming, I can be patient, right? Some of you are better just being patient And the confidence will come the closer you get. You have to figure that out. I'm not going to tell you. But the two words are conjoined there on purpose because they both matter. It's not going to happen tomorrow, although it might. Right? The Scriptures don't tell us the day or the hour, so we need to be confident that it's coming, but also patient. And that's where the, the juxtaposition of those two words, they don't fit well. But those are the words that Paul uses. Because we can tell everybody we're confident of eternity, and then when we die, they're going to be like, well, see, it didn't happen. They just can't see it. doesn't mean it didn't happen. 
So as we look, I want you to look at Romans chapter 8 with me. Further down inside of the passage, okay? Paul writes here a few things that, that are easy. These are, these are verses that you've probably heard before, but I want to put them inside of this context of eternal security for your sake. Okay? Because as you read this, you're going to understand that, that all that God has done cannot be taken away by His creation because He is the Creator. Okay? So the stuff here that we worry about can't take away what He already has foreordained. Romans 8.38 For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nor anything else in all of creation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And most of us here have either read the verse or seen it at a football game John 3.16, that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That's how much He loved us. And Paul articulates here that nothing inside of this world, no matter how far away you feel from Him, no matter how high you are, no matter how separated you feel, Nothing here in creation can actually separate you from the love of God. It's not possible for the creation to thwart the plans of the Creator. It doesn't work that way. Our worry and our anxiety, the worry and the anxiety that we have through our daily lives, erodes our confidence doesn't it? It eats away at our patience. (laughs) And God says, you don't have to worry about the things that I've created. (laughs) None of those things can be used to separate you from Me, is what He's saying. Stop worrying about them. One of the largest most used phrases in the Scripture, right? Fear not. Do not fear. Right? All of these things that that point us to trust. To stop worrying about what it is that, that we think about. All of the created things. None of those are going to separate us from our eternal destiny. The security that we have. The hope that we can hold on to no matter what happens. Usually, honestly, if we fall away from our hope and grasp onto things in this world, we're really just looking for relief, aren't we? Going back to the, the cookies at the wedding, right? 
you're hungry, you've been sitting in a, in a service, you know, it was probably the middle of the summer, you're, you're, you're maybe on a date with your wife or your husband, and you didn't eat much, you know you're going to get a good meal, and then all these cookies are put out in front of you. And you think, I, I'm just going to eat one, because I want to wait for the chicken, right? And then sooner or later, you got seven, eight, nine. Because <laughs> you're still waiting for the bride and the groom to show up, right? And you just keep nibbling and nibbling and nibbling because you're filling yourself up on the things that are there, but it's not the main course. Because our, our instant surroundings drive us and they erode our patience, our confidence. We start thinking, I don't think that meal's ever coming. Right? I'm not sure that I think the bus got lost on the way with the bridal party. <laughs> How about it? We know that the main course is coming, but sometimes we can't see past the cookies. <laughs> because it, it makes us feel better now. And what God says is, listen, <laughs> nothing in my creation, nothing, nothing, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That, that means even if you eat the cookies... I'm still going to hold up my end of the deal because the meal still comes then, doesn't it? You just can't eat it because you're so filled up on cookies. God says, nothing that I have created will separate you from my love. There's no reason to look for that relief, that instant gratification that you know is empty. That worry, that anxiety that you assuage with whatever it is that you self-medicate with. <laughs> the reason I talk about cookies is because you guys know my affinity for Oreos. <laughs> there is nothing that will replace the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will sustain us Nothing will secure us. Nothing will relieve us for eternity but His love. Nothing can take the place of that. And nothing can separate us from it. Whatever is in this world that preoccupies us cannot keep you from the love of Jesus. These verses are pretty important for you. And the reason that, that I wanted to go through, and I've got two more passages, this may be your thing, right? This may be your struggle with eternal security. I just don't know if it's ever going to happen. I don't know if I can be that patient. I'm not confident about it. What God says that nothing in His creation can separate you from the love of Him in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe you need a visual illustration. And a, and a friend of mine, as I was doing some studying and talking about eternal security one time, he, he gave me this passage and then gives me a little visual illustration that I'll show you in a minute. 
So John chapter 10 is another passage that we can look to to understand that God's work is finished and that we are secure. You need to understand that you cannot lose your salvation once you have claimed Jesus Christ as your Lord. In the the New Testament, it says, yes, there's going to be some of us that that get in smelling like smoke, right? As if escaping through the flames, but they get in, okay? That's the reality. That's biblical. I'm not going to change that. John chapter 10 tells us that nothing can take us away from God or Jesus. So Jesus then came to the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. You need to understand where He is and what He's talking about. And it was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around Him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in My Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. And I'm going to stop there for a second because you need to understand that the entire beginning of the Bible right, traces the Jewish people. right? The Israelites, those that follow Judaism, the Old Testament ways, those things. And they saw Jesus. When they see Messiah, they want deliverance. They want a king. They want somebody to come in and kick out the Romans. And so what he's saying is, when I came, I did the things that God wanted me to do to show you that there was something bigger going on behind the scenes. That eternity is worth more than just your freedom from the Romans. That's what this story is couched in. He's talking to the Jews and saying, listen, I've already shown you the way. I've been here in front of you, and you didn't listen. And he says, you're not my sheep then. And he uses this analogy because it's something that as I was in Israel, sheep are everywhere. They're being herded all over the place and led, and and there's a shepherd, and that sheep follows this fella everywhere he goes. And so my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. So Jesus' sheep know Him intimately. They follow Him And He gives them eternal life and they shall never perish. And no one will snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of My Father's hand and I and the Father are one. Nobody can take us out of the hands of God. No system Nobody has more power in our lives than God. And so as God the Father gives these sheep to Jesus and He puts them in His hand, right? Nobody can snatch them out of Jesus' hand. And then He says that no one can snatch them out of My Father's hands and I and the Father 
are one. Nobody's going to get to you. Nobody's going to get to you. It's impossible. Because Father and Son are working together to protect you. They are the shepherds that you're following. The idea that you are in their hands and cared for for eternity that you will never perish. Maybe this is something you needed to see. (laughs) To understand your security comes from what Jesus and God have already done together as Jesus gave up His life, surrendered His will to His Father's plan. They work together for your eternity to be secure. To give you hope no matter what you face. To give you something to hold on to in the face of trial. Something that was not created. Something that comes from the Creator. The third passage, and I just kind of want to, to end with this one, because to me it's in a nutshell, sums up, if you just need to be reminded what God has already done. <laughs> if you find yourself in a place where I don't really feel very hopeful today, instead of maybe running off and doing what gives you that instant relief, maybe just read this instead. Remember what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. In Him, we were all chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. It's all about His plan. He predestined that that you would be part of the plan and everything works in conformity. And when you heard the message of salvation given to you, You were marked with a seal and brought into that group. You are God's possession. Nothing can snatch you out of His hand. Nothing can separate you from His love. All of those passages remind you of the hope that will not disappoint you. If you put your hope in what is eternally faithful, that is given to us from the Creator, 
that we have an opportunity to, to work together as a body of believers as a result of having the Holy Spirit. That we can be what it is that He wants us to be. And Ben is going to, to explore next week more about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit helps us in our everyday life. Some of the things that He does and, and why it's so important to, to listen sometimes to that internal voice as you sit patiently and pray for what God has for you. Because confidence and patience go together in Paul's mind. The confidence of hope comes as you wait patiently on the Lord. And your patience will be bolstered as your confidence grows in what He is already doing. <laughs> That's how it works. When you believed your eternity was secured by the Father and the Son, remember, and the Holy Spirit. You were sealed. So, Father and Son, the plan, the man that gave up his life, and the God that came and saved you to redeem you, and then the Holy Spirit sealed you for eternity. This week, I'm just going to pray and, and dismiss you, but I want to dismiss you with this one final thought for you to roll around in your head all week. The Godhead, three in one, right? So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Godhead three in one, are working today to redeem creation from the curse of sin. They are actively pursuing not only the depth of relationship with you, but people that are in your life. People that you know struggle with understanding who God is. And it's important that, that as we learn these things, that we apply life to this. The reason that we talk about application at the end of every sermon is because you may be the only opportunity this week that somebody has to bump into somebody that's trying to look like Jesus. That's trying to do Life in this world as if they live in another one. <laughs> you may be the representative to them of what God has been doing from the foundation of the world. Don't take that lightly. Remind yourself that the three-in-one of our God is working in your life and in this world to redeem all of creation from the curse of sin. It'll change the way you view your neighbors. You may not like them anymore, but you may start to love them. There's a difference. 
Because it says that God so loved the entire world. (laughs) The opportunity is us then to go, to live it out in a way that is attractive to others. The Scriptures tell us that we smell. (laughs) It's the truth. To some, we're a fragrant aroma. We're, We're an encouraging fresh breeze to some who who have had a discouraging day. To others, we're going to remind them that that their life is full of things that are dying and decaying and we're going to be the smell of death. But in and through all of that, God is working to redeem His creation. 100% of it from the curse of sin that it was subjected to against its will, as Paul said. And we get to be a part of that actively by living as if we have hope in something other than today. Father, thank You for Your love for us for the measure to which You have gone to to care for us, for the place that You are preparing for us. Lord, that You would continue to guide us, that You would allow us to, to breathe life into the plans that You have as we hope in You, that we confidently will wait for the day that we are together with You. Lord, thank You for setting the table Lord, I pray that we all are there someday enjoying Your company. In Jesus' name, Amen.